Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, listen, if you're with us for the first time, and the first time in a long time, welcome home. It's good to have you here. Uh, I just wanted to say um, how many of you uh, seniors, actual senior seniors, almost stood up when Pastor Caleb said seniors. Ah! I'm just kidding. No, sorry. Honey, you are a senior too. <laughs> I know. I almost stood up right over there. Go ahead, yeah. lovely. Good morning. I just wanted, good morning. I wanted to just jump up here real quick. And so one, Lance and I had a wonderful time. Some of you know we got to go, um, well, we went to the Four Score Pastors Conference, and that was wonderful in Orlando. And then in Texas, I heard it was a little rainy here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but I think we might have brought back some sunshine. There, yeah. there you go. So, but I wanted to say yesterday the women had an amazing day in our conference. And for those of you that weren't with us, we really missed you. You're a part of us. So, mm -hmm. um, but those that came, we were so blessed. And um, I just wanted to take an opportunity to say thank you to all the ladies who worked so hard to put that on from greeting to our little goodies that we got, um, to our speakers, um, the, the, um, the greeters, every aspect. Everybody worked so well together as a team. So um, ladies, next time we want you to be with us. So um, if you didn't get to make it, but I just wanted to say thank you. And oh, I wanted to tell you the theme was having um, a voice for your own story. Do you realize we all have a story mm. and our voice needs to be heard? It needs to be heard. So um, hopefully you'll get to hear some trickling news about um, what was shared there. It was really empowering. So anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. That's awesome. You should stay up here. Okay, I'll, let's I'll, see. Okay, no, I'll be glad to sit down. I think you guys want to hear her preach sometime. Yeah. She can bring it. Trust me. I hear it at home all the time. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? No, she, I did actually uh, have her, she preached one time. She, oh, she didn't preach. She said she shared. There you go. She preached. I know. I'm telling you. That's funny. This is awesome. Well, listen, again, thanks for all of you who served and uh, were just big helpers this last couple of weeks as Polly and I were gone. Again, like she said, we had a great time with the Foursquare Conference. That was great. I call it the, uh, the annual Foursquare Snuggle. Or the, uh, the Foursquare family picnic. We got to get together and just have a great time talking through uh, leadership and what God's doing in the world today. I can tell you this. We are in such a great family. And I love Pastor Randy. He's our president and his cabinet, his leadership. They're just such amazing people. We're in such good hands. Um, I'm so glad that our denomination is making decisions to look at difficult situations and how we're going to fix those situations and what we need to do to get better at those things. And I think too many denominations, I've been to other situations before, and a lot of times it's just high-fiving and back-slapping, and you good, I'm good, we're good. And there was, there was none of that. It was just more, it was like seeing family and saying, how do we become closer to Christ and more like him as we journey this course in a world that's broken, right? So... I love what God's doing in our Foursquare family, and we're, we should be proud to be part of this. So thank Jesus for that. It was amazing. Um, guys, listen, I wanted to take a moment. We're going to start a new series this morning. Um, 
And it has to do with listening. I think that if our culture has done one thing really well, it's not listen. Right? I mean, come on. We, it doesn't take long to turn on your TV, open up a YouTube video, whatever, and realize that we're terrible listeners. Come on. We're terrible listeners. And, and you know, you see a reporter ask a question, and then the person starts to answer. And then before the answer's already done, the reporter's rebutting the answer to the question because they basically wanted to hear the answer to their... It was just constant, right? I feel like all we do is just lob noise back and forth at each other, right? When, when are we going to start learning how to listen? Here's the thing that's interesting. If we can't listen to each other, how can we really listen to the voice of God? If there's one question I get asked often, it's how do I hear God's voice? What's God's will for my life? How do I hear his voice for my life? And I'm pretty convinced that if we can't hear God, if we can't hear each other, we're not going to be exercising the muscles of listening enough to actually hear him. Amen. Right? It's, 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 it's things that we need to do is spend time hearing how to listen. Well, I want to take some time the next um, five or six weeks. I'm, I'm leaving a little open because I want to give some room uh, if to, to expand it if we want to, but five or six weeks talking about something, uh, talking about listening to, to God. In a Jewish mindset, there's a prayer that is prayed every morning and every evening called the Shema. Anybody's ever heard of the Shema prayer? That of Deuteronomy 6. So every Jewish person will pray the Shema every time they wake up and every time they go to sleep. The word Shema, S-H-E-M-A, literally means in Hebrew, it means to hear, to hear, to listen. It actually means to listen with an intent to understand and obey. What? It's not just, it's not just noise coming into your ear. Shema, Hebrew word for listen, means to listen with an intent to understand and obey what it is you're hearing. Right? I think if there's one thing that we've not done a good job at is listening with an intent to understand and then walk out what it is we're hearing. We just want to give a, we want to we hear long enough to where they stop talking that we can just interject our own views, right? If there's one thing that's terrible is we're just, we lob views back and forth at each other and never actually stop to listen. But I, I've, I've just noticed there are people, um, I have a person in my family who will remain nameless, who I think can talk while inhaling and exhaling. There, I don't know how she does it, but she's able, um, it's not my wife, I promise you. She's amazing. It's not that. Um, it, there's a person in my family who, like, I just, they're constant, and I'm like, I just want to say something. I, I want to respond to what you're saying, and, and man, oh man, right? How I many you know people like that? It's like, they just want to keep on talking, and you're like, listen, I, I want to hear what you have to say. I can't even respond to what you're saying because there's this almost, it's, it almost seems as there's an intrinsic fear that if I stop talking, you're going to interject your thoughts. And so as long as I keep talking, I have the, the floor. What do they call that in Congress when they do that? The filibuster. <laughs> yeah, it's like we all are just filibustering around each other. Just keep on talking, right? Interesting. The Shema. The Shema comes out of a passage in Deuteronomy. I want to take the next five or six weeks to talk about the Shema prayer and how to hear God's voice. Will you join me this morning as we pray? God, thank you for today. I pray that you help us to hear what you have to say. I mean, really hear what you have to say. God, so that we could listen with an intent to understand and obey. 
we just take just a minute and just sit in God's presence? Just right now, can you just say out of your own mouth, Jesus, I want to hear what you have to say. I, I just want to hear what you have to say. Speak to my heart, God. I slow my rhythm today long enough to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy 6, 4 is a passage in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's right in there. So if you can get over there to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This passage comes from, uh, I believe it's Moses who wrote this, but it, but it says here, I'm going to use the NIV this morning, uh, New Living, our New International Version. It says this in verse 4, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, that they be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Literally, this, this passage in Deuteronomy became synonymous with waking up in the morning and saying this prayer and saying, God, I just want to hear what you have to say and what you have today for me. And, and they go on. In fact, some of you have been to homes of a Jewish family or maybe you've been to Israel and you see those little metal-looking boxes that hang on a doorpost of a home called the mezuzah. Have you heard that? I mean, have you seen the mezuzah, right? Inside the mezuzah is this Shema prayer. Literally, it's Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4, just the one verse. In fact, this whole prayer that I just read out of Deuteronomy 6 is literally condensed down to the first verse. And so they all have that rolled up in a little scroll, stuck inside a mezuzah on the doorpost of their homes. Now, now by the way, let me just pause and tell you, I grew up in a Catholic uh, environment at my home. And if there's one thing that we did a lot of was reciting prayers, in my opinion, mindlessly. I did. I, I prayed prayers without even thinking. In fact, um, I, I, could, I could say almost all of the Catholic prayers that I learned as a kid today, just off the top of my head, but because it was just so mindless. In fact, I could be thinking about anything other than what I was praying. So I'm not interested in creating a mindless, uh, uh, unaware moment with you with God. In other words, I'm not interested in teaching you the Shema prayer so that you can wake up and recite it and go to the evening and recite it and not have your brain connected. I want, to, I want to teach you how to hear God's voice. I want to teach you how to respond to God's voice. I remember the very first time I heard somebody actually outside of, I was dating a girl whose dad loved Jesus, and I remember sitting at their dinner table, and we were going to pray for dinner, and I remember we were all holding hands, and he started praying, and my eyes were open because it wasn't the same prayer I was used to praying every time we eat dinner. And I remember um, listening to him. He had his eyes closed, and he was talking like straight to God. Straight up, I opened my eyes and I was like, is he here? <laughs> like, like he was talking to God about the dinner and I was like, what? Right? I, have you ever had that feeling before? And I remember watching this scenario thinking like, I want that. I want a relationship with God like that. That it seemed like he was not only aware, but he was like engaged in a conversation. That, that my friends, is prayer. Right? The, the Shema prayer is literally about that. It's about starting your day off on the right foot, saying, God, I want to engage my life with you today, and everything that I do, I want to honor you in all that we do. Amen. The Shema. Deuteronomy, if you can be really condensed down to that first verse, which is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I love that. Oh, that. It's interesting. The word Shema actually shows up. Um, it's a Hebrew word, so it's, it shows up several times in the Bible, in the Old Testament Hebrew. And so oftentimes the word Shema, like for example, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12, it says this, ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. So the, the word Shema literally means, can mean hear, uh, it can mean to, to listen, but it really means to listen with an intent to understand and obey what it is that you're hearing, right? So it's more than just bringing noise into your ear, right? It's literally about applying what it is that you're hearing so that you can move out and have some attention on what you're doing. Literally means pay attention. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but did, did you know in the Old Testament Hebrew, um, there is not an English word for the word obey. It's the word shema. What literally means this, it means to listen and hear with an intent to understand and do what it is that you're hearing, right? So we kind of tend to think like the whole Testament must be filled with the word obey. It doesn't show up in Hebrew, biblical Hebrew. It's the word shema. It means to take in, to understand with an intent to walk it out. I want to drive this home because I want you to understand that, 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 that prayer is not just about you telling God like the great Santa Claus in the sky what you want. Prayer is about listening to his voice. It's about hearing what he has to say to you as well. I want to make sure that we understand that because oftentimes we kind of turn prayer into this, like I said, the great Santa in the sky and hoping that somehow he'll just grant us our three wishes or whatever it is that he's supposed to do. Hmm. Interesting. Remember uh, the, the passage, uh, uh, Leah and Rachel in the Bible. When, when Leah, the Bible says that, um, remember the, the story, I, I could tell you all about it. Jacob had uh, the wife situation. Anyway, there's a scenario where Leah, one of the wives, felt unloved by her husband Jacob. And so Leah herself actually says this phrase, the Lord has Shema that I am unloved. In other words, she says, the Lord himself understands, understands and hears my heart's deepest cry. The word Shema means more than just bringing noise into your ear. It literally means to, to focus with an intent to understand and walk it out. Right? Psalm 27.1, hear or listen to my pleading, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. I, love that. I remember when our kids were little, Polly and I, were, they're now in their 20s and 30s, and, and our kids, when they were really little, we would send them into their rooms and we would say, clean up your rooms, right? Come on, any good parent would do that? We'd go in there and say, clean up your rooms, right? So uh, it would take, I remember like our oldest daughter, she would go in there for about two minutes and come bounding out saying, I'm done! And then Polly would go look under the bed and in the closet and everything would be shoved in there, right? And so she was not done. I'd, my son, we'd go track him down in his room and I'd, I'd go into his room and, and he would, he'd be sitting in a dust cloud of teenager, right? I mean, I'm just a mess. And I'm like, son, clean your room. And so then my son, uh, he's very convincing. My son would be like, dad, watch this. And so he'd be working on some project and get me sucked into it. And then Polly would walk in and go like, I thought we were going to tell the kids to clean the rooms. Right? He's very convincing. But nevertheless, I, I, and really interesting, man. Most, anyway, nevertheless, the bottom line for that go clean your room message was, in fact, we would say something like this. Hey, did you hear what we said? Now, now they cognitively heard, or at least with their ears they heard, but did they internalize it? Because what we were asking them to do was to actually pull something off. Go do the thing. So hearing wasn't just about taking noise into your ears. It was literally about saying, what are you going to do with what it is that we're telling you? right? I love this. Jesus, by the way, 
also understood the Shema. Jesus grew up in uh, the, the Jewish mindset. He grew, up in, he grew up in that culture. He was taught as a little boy the Shema. He understood it. How do we know that? Over and over in Scripture, we see Paul, we see Jesus, we see different people referencing the Deuteronomy 6 passage. In fact, listen to this. One time Jesus was talking to some religious leaders, and in Matthew, or Mark 12, 28, it says this. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replies. Now Jesus is, is in his ministry. He's talking to this religious leader, and this was Jesus' response to a Jewish religious leader when asked him which was the greatest commandment. He says this. Most important commandment, Jesus says, is hear, O Israel, the Lord your God and only God. I'm sorry. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and all your strength. Right? Now that's exactly Deuteronomy 6. Then Jesus adds a little caveat. He says in verse 31, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Can you imagine what the Jewish religious people thought? I mean, Jesus is not only adding to what it is that they knew of the Shema, which was, here is the real, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. Like, it's, it's, it was, Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself is equally as important. Here's what equally means, the same. Jesus puts them on the same level. Can you imagine? No wonder they were, they were starting to get really uppity and uptight about Jesus' ways of doing stuff. Jesus was actually twisting up their ways of thinking. I love this. So I want to teach you how to listen, how to hear, how to shma well. How to shma, how to, how to not just say the words of that prayer, but how to hear God's voice really, really well. I love this. You know, you'd think that hearing God's voice should be somewhat obvious. When we read in the Old Testament, we read over, all over the place where people, uh, Moses heard God from a burning bush, uh, Paul falls off uh, whatever it was. He fell to the ground uh, on the road to Damascus and heard God's voice. Jonah was in the belly of a well. I mean, over and over again, we hear all sorts of people who had conversations, listened to God's voice, bumped into him, Abraham. Over and over again, we hear these moments where they had this interaction, this dialogue with God. How come it feels so difficult for us to actually hear God's voice today? Part of it's because I think we, can't, we, we, we don't know how to listen well. The other part of it is because I'm not so sure that we understand what it is that we're listening for and how it is we're supposed to walk out what it is we're hearing. I think sometimes we come before God and we're like, God, this is what I need you to do for me. And, and, we, and, and we hear crickets or we try to hear whatever. And what we, we, we want God to, to frame what it is he has to say. I've told this to you before. But sometimes we're like, um, hey, God, I really want to do this thing in life or whatever it is. And I've said to you before as your pastor, hey, listen, God's not going to give you the next thing until you complete the last thing. And some of us are like, I don't hear God tell me anything. And we're like, and sometimes I'll say to you, hey, look, well, what's the last thing God told you to do? Did you do that faithfully? Nah, I don't want to. I just want to do what God wants me to do now because it's shinier and more fun over there. And I always tell people, hey, look, stop. Go back and do the last thing I ask you to do. He's a good father. Come on, go back. In. Some of you, by the way, that's the only thing you're going to hear today. Some of you need to go back and do the last thing God asked you to do. To some of you, it was to forgive that person or to make it right with that person. To some of you, it was to whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth. 
But that might be the only message you hear today. Go back and do the last thing God asked you to do faithfully and allow him to speak to you. Maybe that's what's kinking the hose, if you know what I mean. Okay. Open your Bibles, if you could, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Let's move to the New Testament. How do you hear God's voice? I love how Jesus speaks to us, and he talks to us about hearing the voice of God. Listen to this. In John chapter 10, we hear the story of a shepherd and some sheep. By the way, did you know that Jesus calls us his sheep? You know that? Right? But by the way, I, uh, I did a quick Google search before I walked in here this morning. Here's what I, I, I typed in. Um, what is the world's most defenseless animal? A sheep. You, my brothers and sisters, are sheep. Yay. The world's most defenseless animal. And we always read the passages of this little lamb all around the neck of the shepherd. No, we're just absolutely defenseless. Look at their little teeth. They're like, like there's nothing, right? They can't fight you with their little feet. All they can do is run away. All sheep can do is just run away because they have this, they, they call it a, a zone of whatever it was around them. A sheep, when you get anywhere close to that zone, they're gone, right? We're sheep. We bundle together. We recognize our own little group, and we don't want to get out of it. You've heard me talk about cast sheep, right? Cast sheep. A cast sheep, it's a real thing. Sheep, remember, when they get really comfortable, they get down on all four haunches. And then, and then when, after they had a, a good meal and they got a good wool coat on, it gets a little cold, they get a little comfortable, and then they roll over on their side. And then once they get on their side, they, tip, they get a little top-heavy and they tip upside down and their feet are up in the air. And do you know a sheep can't turn itself back over? Within 24 hours, if it doesn't get turned back over by a shepherd, it will die. It's called a cast sheep. Google that. Not right now. But I'll tell you this, right? I'm telling you it happens, right? So you need a shepherd to flip him back up. I love the fact that Jesus calls us sheep, except for the fact that I'm not sure if it doesn't mean that we don't stink. But nevertheless, he calls us his sheep. I love how David's like the shepherd and the weird, the sheep of his pasture, all that stuff. I love that. The illustration's wonderful until you stop and look at what a sheep actually is. John chapter 10. I'm going to use the message translation here. Listen to this. It says, let me see this before. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, let me see, oh, I'm sorry, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through a fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through its gate, you know that he's up to no good. He's a sheep rustler. Verse 2, a shepherd walks right up to the gate. Uh, the shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow him because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, because they will, uh, but they will scatter for they aren't used to the sound of it. Right, so, so Jesus is telling us here real clearly that sheep listen to the sound of their shepherd's voice. They follow the sound of their shepherd's voice. They, they're obedient to the sound of the shepherd's voice. When they're scared, they run to the sound of the shepherd's voice. When it's dark and they can't see, they listen for the voice of the shepherd and run to it. Jesus is literally trying to paint this picture saying, hey, you are my sheep, do that. We get afraid and we run to that which is most comfortable instead of running to the sound of his voice. Partially because we don't recognize God's voice. And realize that in the middle of the darkness, right, that he's actually there with us. In the middle of the deepest, darkest valleys, he's with us. 
Remember what he says, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I should want nothing else. Over and over again, he says, listen, I will be with you, I'll care for you, I'll love you. My voice will be there even in the midst of your deepest pain. Most of us scatter and run away because we don't know the voice of our shepherd. Interesting. Listen to this, all sheep hear, but only some listen. All sheep hear, but only some listen. Hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the heart and mind. Hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the heart and mind. In other words, hearing is passive. You can't, uh, you can't uh, mute what it, unless you put headphones in. You can't really, you're going to hear noise. It's just going to happen. But you have to choose to listen to what it is that you want to hear. So hearing is passive. Listening is active, right? You've been married, if you've been married for eight seconds, you know the difference. Because your wife told you. That was funny. <laughs> Nothing. Tough crowd. I want to teach you how to shema, how to listen better. Listen to this. I'm going to give you four things, how to listen better. In order to shema or listen better, the first thing we need to do is recognize the voice of our God. Recognize the voice of our shepherd. If we're going to shema or listen or hear with an intent to understand and walk it out, we need to recognize his voice. John 10, 1 says this, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. A person climbs through the fence, uh, climbs over the fence or through the fence, the sheep pen, he's going, uh, instead of going through the gate, you know that he's up to no good. Listen, I'm going to tell you this, God never sneaks up on you. God is a, he doesn't need to sneak. You're going to, you're going to, I'm going to try to teach you how to hear God's voice. God doesn't sneak up on you. God's not interested in surprising you. God's not interested in, in coming up and saying, ha! I gotcha. He's a good God. I'm going to try to teach you the difference between God's voice and the voice of an enemy or the voice of the sheep rustler. All right, how do you hear the, the difference between a shepherd and non-shepherd? First of all, a shepherd never sneaks. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to scare his sheep. He wants to comfort his sheep. God wants to bring comfort to you. Amen? He's not interested in sneaking up on you and alarming you. And by the way, can, I just, uh, can we just pause right here and tell you this? I just need to caution many of us, not even some of us, many of us who, who drop the God told me language. If I, the God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. I'll tell you this right now. If there's one thing I hear in church people from everywhere, God told me, God told me, God told me. And oftentimes I'm like, well, how did you know that was God? Well, I just felt it in my heart. I felt it in my, you should, if I could get you just for a minute to sit into a room with me and listen to the God told me it's from people, you'd be alarmed at what people tell me that God tells them. I'm like, you know, that's not even in the Bible. That's not even close to what God would say. Yeah, but God told me, so I, therefore I must. And sometimes it's some pretty crazy stuff. That's not just like quitting a job or dating that guy. It's more than that. Sometimes it's really serious things and, and they'll get the God told me. And maybe you're guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. God told me, right? I remember um, Polly told me one time, but before we got married, clearly, there, there were um, like three or four humans that came up to her, men, and said, God told me to marry you. And I'm like, she's like, you didn't tell me. So, so right? I think I was the fourth, and I said it to her, and it worked. And I'm kidding. Only, it's only weird if it doesn't work. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let's stop drawing. <laughs> Laughed at that one. I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. We just got to settle down on the God told me's, all right? Because God does speak today, and God does speak to you, and you can say the God told me's, but I want to help you understand how God told you. Amen? 
And we just, because sometimes we'll blame stuff on God. And I'm like, I don't know if that's helping our message to the world that doesn't understand. God does tell you. He can speak to you. I just want to be clear that that's not the first thing out of our mouth all the time when it feels emotional or it feels this or that. Um, sometimes people will come to me before during worship or whatever and say, God told me of this or told me of that. And I'm like, um, now, I, I, there's, I'm fine with that if God tells you that. And maybe we'll bring that up and share it. Or maybe it's a conf- confirmation of the word that's about to be spoken. I don't, and, and, and I think it's great. I'll, sometimes I'll say to people who come up to me, hey, that's awesome. Would you write that down and send it to me? And then on Wednesday when I get down with my staff at my staff meeting, I'll read it to them and we'll read through it. We'll, we'll compare it by the word of God and see if that actually lines up with scripture. And we'll bring it back next week. Yeah, but God wants to share it today. I'm like, or God can plan ahead. And he might have a word for next week. So we're good with that? How about we just do what the Bible says and test it by the word of God and the elders in the church, right? Come on, I'm not saying you can't hear from God on the fly. I'm just saying, like, let's stop and settle down a little bit with what the God told me is right off the chute. Amen? All right. Okay, good. Amen. So how does God speak to you? How does God speak to us? First of all, he speaks to us through his word. Amen? Speaks to us through his word. I love this. He never wants to speak up on you. God wants to, chances are likely God is speaking to you. He wants to speak to you in his word. Revelation 3.20 says, look here, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling, open the door. I'll come in and I'll share a meal with you as friends. Listen, the enemy doesn't knock at the door. The enemy shoves the door open. All right, God's going to knock on the door, right? He's going to back up what he has to say in his word. He always does. God always backs up. The, there's three things I want to tell you about how to hear God's voice. First of all, he, God is, um, he'll always speak to you through his word. He'll always speak to you, oftentimes, through other people who spend time in God's word. Right? So I talk to people all the time and say, hey, listen, I have this sense in my heart. We're supposed to do this or do that. What are you hearing from the Lord on that? And, and I'll, I want to spend time talking with people who hear God's voice and who have spent more time in their Bibles than I do. Right? So God speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me through people who spend time with his word. And sometimes God actually speaks to me through circumstances. Right? Through circumstances that happen. Come on. Like, for example, I remember Polly and I, it was back in, um, gosh, 99 or 98. I can't remember what it was. But we were planning on planting a church uh, in Buckley, Washington. We were going to plant a church there. And I had, we, we had, we had a team. We had a place we had, we had a place that was literally going to be given to us really cheaply, if not for free, to, to use. It was great. It was massive. People were going to come. It was going to be a great church, greatest church plant ever. We were so excited, right? And so I remember thinking, like, this is exactly, I cannot wait. We, we even started to set a date out in the future, what we're going to do. And I went and talked to my pastor. And I said, hey, pastor, uh, we feel like we found the place, found the whatever it was. And he said, Lance, I don't think that's Jesus. I don't think that's the right place. And circumstances shut me down, and I was like, what? And I remember, listen, the Lord just said, Lance, will you honor the authority I've placed in your life? And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> don't look at me like that. You ever had that happen? <laughs> Two of you. No one raised their hand when I said that. Like, <laughs> no one. You guys all honor authority, right? So I'm, I got the authority over me, and I, he just says, Lance, I don't think it's the right place. So then I, my, I, I tripped over my lip sticking out and, and trying to get all grumpy. And once I got past my attitude, it was like no longer, just short period after that, then a door opened up in a little town called Ording, which is very close, not very far from Buckley. And it was like the floodgates from Jesus opened up. It was the right place. It was the right people. It was the right time. And we spent time there. We grew a church from nothing to something. And people got saved. It was tremendous. And I'm like, Lord, circumstances help to dictate how to hear your voice. 
and I'm going to allow you to do that because I trusted you, I honored your, your order of things, and look what happened. Sometimes God will put circumstances in your way. He'll shut a door down. He'll, there was a song a long time ago, early in my Christianity, that used to throw me off. It would say, when God opens a door, look for a window. When God closes a door, look for a window. And I'm like, seriously? When God closes a door, settle down. There's a reason for that. We're like, when God closes the door, what's another way? And I'm like, no, he shut the door on purpose, so slow down, right? Get some people around you who spend time with God's word and who know him better than you do and talk to them. Spend time in his word. Spend time looking at all that stuff. I don't allow one of those, just one of those things. Most of the time, it's usually all three of those things that God speaks to me around a certain situation. Sometimes I'll just wait and say, God, I haven't seen it in your word yet. Or God, I, I, haven't, seen, I haven't seen what you're saying yet. I haven't gotten confirmation from somebody yet. Listen, God is not in the business of urgent. Amen? Amen. The enemy, however, is in the business of knocking doors down and urgent. Amen. All right. That's good. Number two. Number two, Shema. In order to Shema or listen well, we need to keep our eye on the gatekeeper. Keep your eye on the gatekeeper. Verse 7 of chapter 10 of John says this. So he tried again. Um, I'll be explicit. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All those, who are, all those who are up to no good are sheep rustlers. He says in verse 2, I am the gate. Anyone who goes through will be cared for. He's the gate. I think the thing is, the problem is that some of us will, will stop looking for the gatekeeper. And we'll just start looking for validation for what it is that we want to see happen. I'm guilty of that too. We want to get that loan to go through and we want to get that thing to happen and we want to do that deal. We want to get that relationship and we force the issue. There will be people who come, many of you have experienced that. I've had conversations with many of you. Ah, people told me early on that I shouldn't, but I just did it anyway and as a result of it, we've gotten ourselves into financial trouble or I just did it anyway and I know I heard the Lord warning me, but I just pushed through. Let me tell you this. There's a reason that God would give you a stop sign we got to look at the shepherd. we got to look for the gatekeeper and say, what is it, gatekeeper, that you're saying to me? This shepherd, this, the one who's literally who's, who's keeping the gate. He's keeping the gate. Be, why is he keeping the gate? He's keeping the gate because the wolf wants to come in and snatch you. He's keeping the gate because the enemy is nefarious. Man, he's got all kinds of crazy plans to mess with your life. More often than not, we'll just kick the gate wide open and say, I'm here. And that's not helped any of us. We gotta look for the gatekeeper. We gotta look for the one who's who is the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate, right? Hmm. We gotta be looking for Jesus. Number three, how do you, in order to shema, how do you listen or shema well? Number three, walk with people who are walking in shema. You gotta walk with some people who walk with Jesus. Guys, in, in, let me tell you this. We are so this last couple years has shown me more. How, how flockish we really are. We will flock to groups of people who talk like us, act like us, believe like us, vote like us, do everything else just like us. We're, we're flocky people. We want to get to that thing and hang out to it and we'll listen to only that group of people and only how they say it and only what they do and only that color and only that, whatever it is that we do and we're like, well, blue or red, I want to all do that thing and we hang on so tight and everything else, the other is like, they must no longer exist. And we get so militant and crazy we can't even agree to disagree anymore. We just want to like, um, you are dead to me. Somehow, that's not Jesus. 
We gotta learn how we gotta learn how to be people who spend time with Jesus. Some people, and, and there's there's plenty of times there are people in my life who who have corrected me, and I'll allow them into my life and say, "Look, man, where am I? Where am I off? Where where am I crazy? Where am I missing it? I gotta hear. I want to know because I want to change that." Now, by the way, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Fair. Bible actually says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. However. Not every council has a multitude of wisdom. Pick your, your friends wisely. Some of us are getting counsel from some crazy groups of humans. Come on. Get, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, but not every council has a multitude of wisdom. In other words, slow down a little bit and find some people who have the fruit of the Spirit growing off of their life. Right? You know the fruit of the Spirit, right? The whole love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All that stuff is growing out of the world. Come on. You begin to see that and you're like, you need to snuggle up next to that tree. Because they're spending time with God. Because the fruit is showing up in their lives. Amen? Amen. We need to walk with people who are walking in Shema. Walk with people who are walking in Shema. Sometimes, by the way, I, I think we can get a little Google happy here. And, and we start finding people that we, we're, we're like. I talked to a fellow just the other day who was telling me something about something that he had looked up on Google and was convinced that that person was so, so right and that his pastor was so wrong because this person on Google said this thing. And this person said the thing and he, his pastor was wrong and well, should be corrected, if not corrected, rebuked, and whatever. And I was like, uh, how do you know this guy's wrong, right? How do you know that this guy's not wacky? And he's like, well, he's on Google. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what, that was what I deduced. I'm like, I'm on Google too, man, but I <laughs> make a mistake or two. I'm just saying, like, we got to settle down, right? We, we allow other people into your discussion. Allow other people to begin to open up the, the, the world a little bit and say, hey, look, I, I, I want to hear God's voice. You spend time with Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is growing off your life. I need to hear from Jesus who's speaking to you. Not just one person. Get a multitude of people who spend time on the lap of Jesus. But by the way, that's how I have a church council. right? I have a church staff and a church council. And you know why I have, but some people have asked me, our church council, they take care of all of our, uh, uh, the oversight of our finances and what we do. Our church council meeting, by the way, I, I have our church council meet with me on a Sunday after church. Some pastors meet their church councils on a Thursday night after work. You know why I do ours on Sunday after church? Here's why. Because we just got done spending an hour and a half on the lap of Jesus. Listen, before we're going to talk about our church finances, I want some people who will spend time on the lap of Jesus. Come on. If you want counsel for your marriage, you need to spend some time with people who spend time on the lap of Jesus. Amen? Sorry, real quick. The last one. In order to shamar, listen well, we need to learn how to run from the stranger's voice. Run from a stranger's voice. Like the sheep who have a zone around them that literally will be, will be frightened and run. We've got to literally put some people around us that when you recognize the stranger's voice, you're not the only one running. People around you are, 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 are running from the stranger's voice. The stranger is one who the definition of a stranger, one belonging to another, an enemy. Someone you recognize literally turns their eyes, their minds, and attention over to Jesus. 
Isaiah 55, 11 says, my word will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish that which I purposed. Let me do this real quick. God's voice is empowering. God's voice will stir you to action. God's voice will bring peace and instruction. The stranger's voice will fill you with anxiety and worry, shame and fear. The stranger's voice wants to do nothing in your life but destroy it as slowly and as long as possible. God's voice creates clarity. The enemy's voice creates confusion. God's voice creates clarity. The enemy's voice creates confusion and urgency. God's voice refreshes the soul. The stranger's voice tears it down. God's voice stirs up humility. The stranger's voice stirs up pride. See, by the way, you might be here today saying to yourself, Lance, I don't know if I've ever heard God's voice. Maybe that's the case, and you feel like that. I want to challenge you to, to, take, to take a minute and go back through your notes that you were heard today, and if, if you didn't get the notes, uh, come next service and write them down. I'm just saying, like, at some level, go online and listen to the podcast or the thing and write them down. Get the notes in your head. Understand how to hear God's voice. Because the enemy is a big, fat counterfeiter, and he's going to try to take and mess with you because I think sometimes we've got to realize God's probably been speaking to you. He's probably been speaking to you, and you haven't recognized it. Or you've inadvertently blamed something else on God's voice that wasn't his voice because the grid through which you were looking has been emotional or whatever it is that you use as the grid. Let me close by giving you these four real quick things, or five things. How do you know it's not God's voice you're hearing? Here's five ways to know it's not God's voice. Five ways to know it's not God's voice. Number one, you know it's not God's voice because you won't want counsel from a godly friend. Number one, you won't want counsel from a godly friend. Number two, how do you know it's not God's voice? Number two, you won't want to check it by your Bible. Number three, the voice comes out of thin air. In other words, it's not familiar. Remember, the shepherd knows, uh, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. It's familiar. The enemy will come, the voice will come out of thin air with massive urgency and rush to it. Number four, urgency leads the way. Right? Urgency leads the way. The enemy's voice is, is the stranger's voice is always urgent. It's always, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta. Number five, the message will eventually fade if it's not the voice of God. It will eventually fade. God's long-suffering. God's long-suffering. Don't be in a big, urgent moment. God knows what tomorrow brings. He knows what today holds. And he's the only one. Amen? So I want to pray for you today. Can we do that? God, I pray for my friends today, both here and those who are at our church at home on campus, watching us online. Lord, I pray today that we would slow down and listen for your voice, your clear, peace-filled voice that, that is, is so committed to clarity. Lord, you back it up with what you say in your word. You back it up with people who spend time in your word. You even use circumstance periodically over and over again. I pray that we would spend our time to slow down and hear what you're saying, God. We need you. Lord, I pray today that my friends who are listening here today, maybe they've never heard your voice. 
and they feel like they've just been wandering around hoping that you're going to speak to them in some burning bush moment. Well, God, perhaps you've been speaking all along. Just as you're sitting here quietly, I just want you to invite your mom, uh, a, a moment in your life right now where you just say, Jesus, I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to me in my, in my wife or in my, in my family with my marriage and with my children or with my job. I need you to speak to me, Jesus. Show me what's next. I allow you to speak to me, God. Do whatever you want. I make room for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shema, to listen with an intent to understand and walk out what it is that you're hearing. Amen.